listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about at the table, eating together in your marriage. And you're going to see us talking about this topic again soon because this is a huge topic and we're going to need to do some qualitative research about what's happening in individuals' lives and I'll be sharing some great stories, but we're also going to be talking about what's going on there quantitatively when we put research together at large and we see trends. So you'll see me doing a little bit of each on Enneagram and marriage over the next couple weeks and you've probably seen it already. I've been having a blast because as a seven, you can imagine, I'm a foodie, and I hope you guys are too. In fact, we just got through with a huge weekend, depending on when you're listening. If you're a current Monday listener, you know we just got through the 4th of July, and we also had our Hamilton parties. I surveyed people about the Hamilton parties, and people were actually, over 80% of the people on my Enneagram and Marriage account were watching on Friday. So I think that's really funny how similar we are. But I hope you had so much fun. So good, right? Oh my gosh. And Satisfied being a great song for foodies. Who will ever be satisfied, right? Who's a foodie? We're always looking for the next thing. We future-oriented people are doing that even more as three sevens and eights. But I also heard from a lot of nines who are total foodies and fun foodies and eights and twos and some ones who are really thoughtful and creative with health and Every, I think every single type chimed in. We definitely had some fives and fours as well. So I really want to just say we all love food and sixes too. You guys are careful about what you're eating, your choice and planned about it, but you really do have a slant towards food also. Guys, let's just be honest and real about it. Food really is important for our survival. So it's a great topic for marriage because at the table, wow, we we get brought together around food and we eat together and that is where we fellowship and have some of our deepest conversations. So I know you can just think with me now about how you've had so many great conversations around your table. And before we get started, I want to give you just a couple of announcements. You're probably seeing on my Enneagram and Marriage Instagram page that I am finishing up a sale for coaching right now. I always open up my cart around the 4th of July for my lowest special of the year. So check that out if you want to get started and make sure you look at my emails that I send every week too, because I have a link to it there as well. But I really am looking for just a couple more people who want to journey because I'm full and I can't take that many on, especially in the fall when I begin teaching psychology and literature. So it really is the time I like to gather in and also say, hey, let's do a discount package where if you're looking to work with me, then you get a discount and it works for all of us because then I know who I have on my roster. So I love helping people. And as much as I love this podcast, really the ebb and flow of my work is helping couple by couple make great changes for their lives. And I'm finishing up with a few now. And I'm also making sure that they have some marriage insurance as they finish so they can keep going on their goals. And I have a great membership program for them that I'll share more about with you guys in the fall. I also want to give you the contest winner today because we had a really cool contest going on for the Summer of Love series. And we were celebrating anniversaries together last week. And we had a very special person win that contest that I was going to name on here. So without further ado, our winner is Sincerely Samantha AK. And by the way, that's the seriously cutest Instagram handle. 
But you guys, her beautiful marriage story touched my husband and I so much. And believe me, this was not easy to choose a winner. So I actually have a couple of runner-ups too because I wanted them to have one of my R&R relationship books too. And I'm going to share a little bit about their stories, but mostly I just want you to know this amazing idea that Samantha and her husband have. Her husband's a five and she's a six. And every year they write in their anniversary journal. They recap the year, write down goals and say a prayer. The location changes. Sometimes it's a quiet night in the mountains or a desert resort or at home playing games in their PJs. The journal replaces cards that they could buy to one another and they get to see what they learned and are looking forward to in the next year. Wow, that was just all-star. I was like, and you can hear me still, just floored by the vulnerability there. Just the depth and vulnerability, especially thought triad people. Wow, guys, way to show the rest of us up. This is so beautiful and deep. We were just like, oh my gosh, we have to start doing this. And I write letters to my kids every year for their birthdays and they're really deep and gushy. And I send them in their email, Hannah, Melody, and Jack at Gmail. And I really hope that they enjoy those in the years to come. I don't even really tell them about them now because they're like, blah, 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 mom, you love us. But I really think this is a beautiful marriage idea too. And I'm just amazed by it, as you can hear. So please, if you love the idea, take it for yourselves too. I heard so many other creative ones. Like I said, the people that are doing their vows and every year rereading the vows they wrote to each other were read. Those were super moving to me. And I really loved those too. So if you get a DM from me today, you'll know that you were one of those people. But I really, really appreciate Samantha's vulnerability to share that cool thing with us. And we are all going to learn from that beautiful romance and chemistry. Plus I shared a few of them because I got some of them in stories. So you guys, I hope got some great ideas for your anniversaries. You can check out that episode from two weeks ago. If you need more, you can also check out the episode from last week as we got started again, finally on going through type by type with marriages. And we were on threes last time and it was an old recording. It was four months from the vault from pre COVID times. So if we had an extra pep in our step, that is why. But we are moving along again and God has us and we are doing our best. I know all of us are doing our best and really transforming through this time and changing. And every third week, you'll see me keep going through. So next time in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about fours. And I'm so thankful that we're back on track for those two. And I will pivot and shift as needed as we talk about world issues. But I really want to make sure that whatever type you are, you have some amazing tips for your marriage. So now we'll get into our current topic about eating. And specifically, I want to start off with some research about eating together. And the Institute for Family Studies has said that couples who eat together are a little bit happier. And when I say a little bit, I mean about 10% happier. The ones who are eating without their cell phones are about 8% happier. And yet there doesn't seem to be any definitive evidence that you have to eat together to be happier. It's just that those couples who are moderately unhappy it increased a little bit when they didn't eat together. So you want to make sure if you're in that feeling of or season of just being moderately unhappy together, that you check in and see whether eating together helps. Do an experiment on your family and see, depending on your type and all that's going on with you, 
if it actually helps or hurts to eat together because there were a few people in the study who said eating together really actually made them less happy. And I think that really is speaking to Enneagram languages more than any Institute for Family Studies can do because they're not getting as finely tuned. And I think that's something they're missing out on. Um, And why I say that is because some people really have an irritation to hearing others eat. And I noticed that with a lot of type ones. And sometimes people have something called misophonia, which is causing a reaction to sound such as dripping water, chewing or snapping gum, pencil noises. And that's important that they get self-care and see about therapy. They can do music therapy or OT. But really, I want you to make sure that you address that and work through that because maybe you say, well, cool that I know that's my spouse's issue and not everyone's issue. That makes a spouse feel a little less critiqued. But I also want you both to know that this marriage is the one that's important to you. So I do want you to listen on this episode too, so that you can say, how can I help my spouse if they do suffer from this? Or if I'm the one who suffers from this, how can I address this? And you could even find yourself wearing some earbuds at dinner or sitting farther away from that person who you feel annoyed or irritated by the click of their tongue. So make sure that you're working on you, that you're getting self-care, OT, music therapy, whatever it is, a massage, because a lot of the time this happens for people in the body triad. Or if it's not you that you think together with your spouse and say, look, apparently you do have this issue with eating with me. Yes, many couples are happier when they eat together, but because we're not, let's see if we can be. Let's try to shift. Let's do a little bit of an experiment on ourselves, and then we can find out if we can because I don't want you to miss out on that. Ultimately, we know most date nights center around food. We've just talked about the intimacy of at the table. I know the Last Supper is such an important part for Jesus and the disciples as they break bread and as we celebrate giving and loving each other. A lot of us think of Jesus's example of, you know, breaking and fellowshipping and giving of oneself in a sacrificial way. And that's really modeled when we serve food to one another and we invite neighbors and strangers into our home. And hopefully we're careful if we invite strangers into my home, there's my overly active six week. Um, But I really want to make sure that you guys are just really being thoughtful so you don't throw out eating together, knowing, wow, this is something that really creates intimacy and love. And how fun was it for me to see your stories on Instagram this week about the various ways you come together through food. And like I said, each and every type had different rituals for doing so. And it was beautiful for me to see the ways that you've worked it well. Nobody was really saying on that particular story, what was stressful about eating, but we're getting to those stories this week. That's why I said you'll be seeing more food episode. And my friend Stacy, who's a dietitian and PA, is going to be talking with us about that. So I really think that's important for us to address the the hard things about food too. But I want you guys to know, yes, it was a delight to hear the ways you work things out. Some of you are eating out together regularly. I had a three and a six couple say that they are doing the boxed meals together because they love getting them in the mail and having those, I think there's different companies, but one of them is aprons, give them the meals in advance so they know what to prep for. I know a lot of nines love to use Tasty. My daughter does. And we've actually just said, we're seriously considering recruiting her 
her to be one of our sous chefs big time because even though she's only 12, she acts about 18 and she's been through a lot of high school courses and she's just somebody who is ready for more young and she always was that way even as a baby. So it's fun for me to say, oh my gosh, like we have somebody in our family who really cares deeply about cooking in this season of their life. And I do want you to remember our seasons of life and marriage episode in the sense that we do have various seasons of life where we love cooking more or less. And often that first year of marriage is a big experimental year for cooking. And you're not really, you're not sure. So give it some time. If you're early in your marriage, please don't rush. I want you to get to sample and experiment. And then later, if you're in the season I'm in, like that wise three and six couple, don't think that you have to eat out every night. Just try to think outside of the box or like we said, dinner in a box. But I really want you to be thoughtful about that. And I really remember some hilarious things with my first year of marriage where I went to other couples' homes and they came to mind. I feel like that's a big thing in the first year or two of marriage where you're like really good at going for dinners and desserts with friends. And maybe even, I think we stretched it out till all the years, till we had kids, because it just gets harder then. You do it, but it's harder with each oncoming child. Everyone's like, I don't want you guys to come over. You're five more people to feed. So it just becomes like really brash. And you're like, practically speaking, if you need a meal because you had another baby in your big family that already exists, like we're so happy to do that or occasionally to meet out at a restaurant with you guys. Like taking kids to a restaurant is just tough. Eating with kids can be tough anyway, especially littles. That dinner time, whoo, that dinner time hour, that five o'clock hour is so like stressful for me to think back on when my kids were super little. Now my youngest is eight, so it's a lot easier, but it's really, really stressful at various times in your marriage. And, and that's just because of the nature of the season you're in. So it's not going to be forever that you're breast pumping and nursing and trying to help the husband get dinner on the table because he's been working and you've been home or vice versa that she's been working and he's been home and they're both feeling resentful for various reasons. And I know that tons of husbands cooks, tons of wives cook. We and our family have my husband doing occasional breakfast. I mainly cook and mainly do the dishes because, or now, like I said, my but I really don't mind it. And he does. And that was part of his past was having to do things at a very young age because of a very unhealthy system. So it wasn't always easy for him to do them into adult world. And he has triggers. And I want to say trauma triggers, but little t trauma triggers because he can do them. But it's not hard for me to do those things. So I'm happy to do them. I rejoice that I don't mind like dishes are totally annoying. And I talk about them on here sometimes, but like, really, I don't mind. And everyone in my family except me minds. And that's part of it too, is the cleanup process. And it can be stressful if you're like, I literally hate this aspect, or I'm such a neat freak that I need to be the one in the kitchen doing the cleanup because of, I hear this a lot from people, especially ones. I like to load the dishwasher in a certain way. And my husband doesn't happen to be that one because it's like, unless I need something fixed with the dishwasher, he doesn't even want to go near it. It's just really a trigger for him. And there are things he does that I don't do. So it's 
not that I'm going to say we all have to be equal at every chore. I want you to understand around the table, you're going to have seasons where you cook, where they cook, where somebody is unexpectedly cooking or getting TV dinners or who knows what. You're going to have a million. I can remember a Hot Pocket season to remember Jim Gaffigan with you and his hilarious Hot Pocket segment. It's like that is so real to me because I remember when I was in my late 20s thinking I could do it all perfectly how I would eat a Hot Pocket between sessions with clients, (laughs) that silver foil wrapper and think, this is awesome. I'm saving time. And, uh, you know, that was such a crazy season of my life and breast pumping in between and thinking back on how people perceive that in sessions around me when I was that exhausted, like, why was I doing that at work? But you're just so exhausted in those young mother years that you just don't even know sometimes what you're doing. And so I want to give you encouragement if you're in that season. It will pass and you will be different later. You do have to walk through these tough times sometimes and serve the boiled chicken or whatever else your staple awful dinner is. But you know, sometimes dinner time rituals are, they're just crazy, you know, and and it starts even from the minute we're born. My daughter, who's a four, came out with her mouth open ready for milk and it just continued on when she was a little baby, I can still remember we had this signal cry that she would give to say, I'm hungry and I want my food now. And maybe as an idealist for baby, she was like, and I need it now, people. Like the ideal is that you would be ready and waiting. Um, And we did parent her a lot like that because she was our first and only. So we literally had about three seconds she would give this little as a cry. And it was her warning way of saying like, I'm ready for my milk and I'm going to let you know politely that I'm awake. But if you don't get to me within a few, (laughs) there was this sense of like, it's over and she's going to be screaming and she still does it to this day. And we crack up because she's just fun. And she'll be like, Like, I want this or that because we've told her that story so many times. And we just crack up because obviously she's really come around and she's like, okay, I have to share this world with my siblings. And, you know, she's great at going compassionate with people and loving them. But we just have stuff, right, with our food. And we have to look at it. And it can be scary at times when you're dealing with the big stuff where you're like, hey, eating disorder in our family and no diet pills, absolutely. Check in with a psychiatrist if that's you guys ever. I know my husband says sometimes people with eating disorders in his practice, in addition to not taking diet pills, sometimes they get a psychotropic. And that's certainly true of what I learned. And I went to Ramuda Ranch for, it's an eating disorder place in Arizona when I was a psychologist in Michigan. And that was really an eye opener for me just to hear how many multi-levels of treatment there needs to be when you're dealing with big addictions of any kind, but especially food related. So you could have big stuff like that that you're dealing with in these stressful seasons, or you could have such great times where you're like, food is literally our healer in our family, and it just brings us together. And I think that when you're healthy and continuing to get healthier, that does become the story, even for people who do have hard stuff or remember the early stressful, crazy years. One of the funniest things Wes and I have done with food, as we've talked about before, to foster closeness with other couples is we have a business called Supper Sleuths and we actually sell mystery dinner games where couples get recipes and they sit around the table and they really have fun just dialoguing and solving a crime together that's of course fake and funny and they just 
just really enjoy themselves while eating. And then we wrote one for a mystery dinner train and we saw a bunch of people doing that. And that was just a beautiful gift to us to be able to witness how when we create something that it could bring love and fun and beauty to couples in a a laughter kind of a way. And it's just food can be funny. And I'm sure you have your stories. I remember one funny time, funny to see all the seasons of marriage. In those first years, I remember serving food that had soap in it. (laughs) First year, that's a pretty bad story. But I was making my mom's classic homemade vegetable soup recipe, which usually went over amazingly. And I remember serving it to a neighbor And of course, she never said a word, but I was like, this is really, are you sure this is okay? She's like, it's fine. And I'm like, you're never coming back. I know you're not going to come back. And sure enough, like, you know, she waved from her apartment to mine when we were going to work and it was a friendly banter, but it was like, this is over. Like you poisoned me with soap. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just thought of that Ralphie comment. Soap poisoning. And anyway, it was just one of those seasons where I'm literally cringing about what I did. And I wonder if you have any stories from your first cooking days, but I was taught by my mom how to cook and my girls are being taught my son, not as much. My nine is having more success with him. The six and the nine in our home have such a great connection for learning. She's a total teacher and loves to teach him. And when I say to him, wouldn't you like to cook too? He's like, no, thanks. I want to be the taste test though I really love taste testing. That's what he told me yesterday when I said, oh my gosh, Melody is so gifted, Wes. We really need to consider hiring her for some cooking in terms of giving her more than just her allowance pay. And he was like, I'm all for it. And then Jack was like, I love taste testing. Is there any money in that? (laughs) Just like, not yet, buddy, but we'll give you some other money. And he's just like, like, if you do more chores for other things and he's like, nah. So it's like that nine part of him comes out so strongly and we'll see later if he enjoys cooking more but it might not be his thing and I love that Melody can have this magical way about it where she makes it this fun game and the seasons of life could start as young as six or I know my four was taste testing with me in the kitchen as a two-year-old as was my nine so it's really different per child and it's so much fun to create memories together with your kids with your spouse And let's face it, sometimes they really don't like to cook or you don't, and you guys just have to learn other ways to eat together. My goodness, I know my friends who moved to Myanmar for one season of their life said, we just go out to eat all the time. It was super cheap for us in that season of our life. And that's what people do in this part of the world. And it's not expensive. And that's what we enjoy. Or others who make great money say that's what we love to do every day too. And doesn't mean that we eat unhealthy. It just means that we don't like to cook for ourselves. But I do know that in quarantine, even though we're emerging from part of that, we are really a little different from that too. So I want you to take that into account and understand that sometimes people really have a hard time with something in particular from quarantine eating. So you don't want to make that as a judgment for your whole season of life. Like our kids hate eating with us. And it's like, well, maybe that's because they haven't been able to have any social time or my husband's been chewing. I read this article in New York times about a husband who was really not happy at the table, but it was because he had this really big dental issue and hadn't been able to access dental care because of quarantine. So I love just really giving it a deeper look so you can address those issues when he gets his dental care. 
that's going to be important. If your spouse is diabetic and you keep cooking high carb, high sugar meals, there's going to be some friction. You have to take into account what's really happening in your system versus just, I had somebody recently tell me, and I think this was good and healthy overall, but they said, I Googled what to do about this or that. And it was one of my black and white thinking clients. And they challenged me in cool ways where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. But where they lose out is where they don't see the gray on that doesn't matter though. This marriage, and this isn't the example, but you have a diabetic spouse. And so that spouse needs to have different eating understanding with you, or they have trauma around the table. And then just like holidays, some people really have holiday trauma and in, in around food and around that is part of it, but they just have holiday trauma, whether they're at the table or not. And Also, we can see that the way people experience eating disorders or addictions can be part of around the table from phone addictions to alcohol addictions where you're tensing up to in-law experiences. And there's so many ways and experiments you'll do in your marriage over the years that will help you to refine. And please think of it as that because when I have couples on the phone with me or on the calls with me over Zoom, sometimes they get so frustrated as they tell me what happened in the past. And here's where I love coaching is, and this really goes with me as a seven, is I need to hear what happened in the past. And I appreciate the emotion because that emotion gives me detail about the depth. Sometimes we have to go back and do attachment wound healing. So it's important to hear the past and to see what are these big triggers and where did they come from? But a lot of the time, if we get too caught up in what's happened in the past with our hurts and our bond, you'll be surprised how fast an hour goes back with a coach where you really do need to move forward at some point in the session, or you're just going to be rehashing and you're going to feel lousy after that time because you're going to go, all we did is report and tattle and we feel zero change. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of coaching because we do need to go there. We need to know what happened. If you don't know what happened in the past, how can you change the future? But we also really need to say, this was experimental. Life is a big experiment. And moving forward, what can we do differently? And that is so key. And what can we bring forward also that was amazing? Why did you have a great week? What was wonderful about this week? And I noted that with my vacation, we had such a wonderful time in the Keys, but my husband slept well. And I've shared before that as a one during his stressful work week, he doesn't always sleep well. He's so high performance with his patients. And I wrote it down and some of the things that really gave him a good sleep were going near the ocean or water and feeling accomplished and working out. And that gets into everything in our lives because it really makes him feel like, wow, I've balanced, I've gotten my self-care. Another thing he said was, making sure that he had that perfect peace reminder from scripture about how God gives us perfect peace and not being overplanned was another big one that I was actually surprised to hear because he loves big things. He loves being busy. So it was really nice for me to kind of catalog with him. Wow. Like I know you, I knew that your eating habit was that you love to eat together, but I did not know this. And this is important to factor into all of life or those meals together are just not going to be as great. Now, for some of us who love those busier meals, as I've shared in past episodes, we have people who are like, I can't transition because I'm always thinking, you guys know me, I love to be on tech. So for people like us, we need a transition time, whether it be a walk around the block before dinner, that really works for me with walking my dog 
or it's also helpful to have things that you bring to the table either with your phone. And I'm I'm hesitant to say with your phone because I just read that research that said 8%, it's an 8% less satisfying meal when you bring your phone in general, but that's because it's an in general. And I think a few of you really do need that phone. And like I said, if you are that person and I'm not that person, but if you are, then bring it in as table conversation with finding facts for each other, finding funny memes and showing them things that you get to share. Don't be on your phone where you're like, oh, we're at the table together, but we don't talk unless, and I will say unless, you guys actually decide that's who you are. Because let's face it, some couples are that way. And I could see myself being comfortably situated in that setting. I think we could all look different with each different type. And you would it's fascinating to think, what would you look like with an eight or a six or a two or somebody who is quiet? And then you might both bring your book to the table and read quietly. And I also think my husband's gonna appreciate that more when our kids are out of the house and that it wouldn't be as realistic with the three kids to be like, oh, every night at dinner, we come to the table and we research and we read. Although he loves and is in right now reading Chronicles of Narnia with our son, Jack, which we already did with our girls. And we had so much fun in that season. And sometimes we bring a snack to it or we munch a lot of the time, even though we're just talking at the table and you might be doing that with your phone or without your phone or coming up with family questions to ask, which I recently gave a one for some homework. I gave her some family questions to ask around the table from one of those devotional books that are great for just saying like, oh, what are some questions you can ask around the table? Like, what is your dream vacation destination? And things like that can really get your family having fun if you're the types that need some canned conversation, not because you're being like lazy or you don't have any creativity or but maybe just because you're tired and you're like, I don't know. I don't want to just keep asking my kids what their highs and lows were from the day, especially during quarantine season. But it's really, I mean, that can be just a setup for failure. Like there were no highs, but you might say, Hey, what is a place that you've always wanted to travel to and will travel to when you're an adult, no matter what, or what's a job that you'd love to do if money were not a factor? All these kinds of fun questions can be great dinner table conversations, and it's got to be finely tuned to the family you have right now, because as interesting as that theory might be for you to say, yeah, what would life be like with a one or a two or a seven? You don't have that. So you have to work with what you have and understand that things ebb and flow, even for you two over seasons because like I said we do enjoy our nighttime snacking or certain seasons like especially on a vacation we were having a different ice cream place every night that's one of my kids favorite traditions but at home after we get back sometimes we're like you know what we're back to once a week kids for that kind of a thing because we don't want to get us sick or have diabetes and with my husband being medical he does see it every single day severe issues and illness. And that does play into our family story because he's treating it as a loving person, but he's also saying, let's make sure we're healthy. And that really helps me with my seven tendencies. Usually I'm very independent, but I do say to him once in a while, if you see me going for food that I really am just grazing on, give me some sort of a signal. And that can be super tricky in a marriage. So I don't want you to do that if you're in a bad place together. But if you're in a good place together, sometimes it can be a good place to say, if you just notice me checked out and like reading my book and like eating something after something after something, you might just want to say, hey, are you good? Or do you need some protein? And he's good about that. But it's it's only happened on occasions in our marriage where I'm like, oh, I just noticed myself going to food more or 
especially this can happen too for people, not just because they're thinking about other things, but because they're emotionally eating. So that can be something that we can help each other with as spouses, but it can also be something that can really hurt and wound. And I've seen that so many times where spouses try to take full control over each other's self-care and say, you can't eat that way because I am this, or I deal with issues with gluten, so you can't have any, or I can't process this, so having it at the table isn't good. Or I hear this one a lot that people say, if I am on a weight loss avenue, and you might remember that from This Is Us with Kate, you know, she had to break up with Toby because she had to focus in on her weight loss journey, and he was actually sabotaging it from her point of view instead of his point of view, which was, I'm just enjoying my life and you'll have to do your own thing. That's a complex issue. And you have to deal with you and your spouse's issues and the seasons of life that you're in and understand that different couples are going to solve that different ways. I really want you to know that because you're not always right about this. Sometimes you have to learn and to grow. And in your marriage, that's important, but there's two people in your marriage. So you might be like, yeah, in our marriage, it has to be this way. But your spouse says, no, actually, that's really hurting me because eating my carbs and carb loading before my run or just because I love to carb load at night and it's I've always maintained a good healthy balance just because you want me to stop because you're on a weight loss kick that's your thing and I think that it really is important that you guys address those issues together and not black and white it not just say you know this is really always going to be the way everybody does it who's healthy because it's just not sometimes there's a one spouse who's super into fitness and the other one isn't to be honest sometimes spouses don't even want their spouse to be super fit i can't tell you how many husbands i've worked with who say they love having something to squeeze on their wife and it's it's so per couple that i can't even tell you there's people who are like ooh i don't want her to be super skinny or there's people who have a super skinny wife who are like i love this she's beautiful she's feminine she's delicate whatever it is The swan couples I talk about on this show a lot are reframing their lives to be good just the way they are. And hear that last part, especially that they're not always envisioning a better life. Like my husband, they may be saying, hey, life is great right now, but I do want to make sure we're planning and looking ahead. And he's got a six in his tri-type too. So he's like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm leaning forward into the future a little bit to say, What will the planning look like when we get to our senior years? Because most of his patients in his family practice are in the senior years. So he gains tons of wisdom and insight from hindsight from them because they tell him stories all the time, things they wish they do, regrets. And one of the biggest things he can see is some of them are on 20, 30 pills a day. The complex charts he's looking at from their endocrinologist to their heart doctor to their lung doctor. He's really detailed and I love that about him, but he also has a vision for the future for not being in as many crises. And I think that's important that we look at our health carefully from that level too, versus the level of, I just want you to do exactly what I say. I think it's more palatable when your spouse comes at it from the angle of, let's try to have a good long life together if possible. Let's try to be as healthy as we can, but also balance out when we're going to have treats and fun eating because we know that that food aspect of life is such a delight. And we can say all day long, I just, it's only my fuel. And those of us who have had a health crisis, sometimes we have had to do a complete shift where we're like, food is no longer about enjoyment for me because I'm in a season where it's just for fuel and I just don't have enjoyment. And I grieve with you for that if you're in that season, because I know how hard that is. I had that season once in my life and it was really hard at first, but once you get in it, you're fine and you adapt and you find other places of joy. 
But I really want you to understand that overall, we can't make that decision for our spouse. When I did have that season in my life where I did that, my husband didn't do it with me and it really didn't bother me. I was like, I'm on a mission for me and you're a good person and you're doing you. And if he had had a major eating issue at the time, of course, I wouldn't have ignored it. I would have said, let's address your eating issues too, because that's part of our family lifestyle. I mean, if somebody's literally going and puking after dinner every night and everyone can hear them or they're at the table with a severe eating anorexic disorder, it's part of the family. Wow, is that part of the family? So we can't be either just totally gray and say, hey, to each his own, it's all good. We have to have some we have to have some rituals, some routines. And the boiled chicken example with my family is a good one of them saying to me, you know, mom, we know you're functionally cooking this boiled chicken in the crock pot. And we appreciate that that's our staple, but we really would like to spice it up. So can we talk about this? And here's our favorite meals. And one of my husband's favorite things to do is to say, okay, he does this a lot when I make a good meal that everyone likes. He's like, all right, every week it's on the table. And I'm just like, oh, hold up because I'm a seven. That can't be, I don't limit me. I can't be you know, taken down like this. But but at the same time, I can make grilled chicken for the week or boiled chicken, as we should say, and rice or noodles or something and have some salads ready. And I do enjoy my Sunday food prep when I need to do that in the busier weeks. And that helps me a lot, especially if I eat a lot of protein. Like I love making chicken salad. We love our egg breakfast. We love our think bars because of course thinking triad, no, I'm just joking. No, but my husband buys me those sometimes. And I really like those for balance because they're low sugar, but you wouldn't want to do that for every meal. Whether you beach body smoothie, whether you decide that you're going to do a program for eating, I just want you to pay attention that your family can vibe with it and that you can talk about it and be light about it in, a, in important ways and that you can be serious about it when you need to be like, hey, we went way over on our food budget again and we can't do that anymore because that's really getting in the way of us either paying a debt off or hitting a vacation, whatever it is, I do want you guys to work together, but I also really want you to have some independence on this. I don't want you to control your spouse. If you can take anything from this episode, I don't want you to control your spouse's food habits. I don't want you to say anything is absolute unless it's, like I said, life or death issues. So maybe you love eating with people because you're a social subtype and you love going to their parties and you always want to go to your mom's house every Sunday, but your spouse says, I don't want to do that every Sunday because I want us to become the matriarch and patriarch. And you have to learn to shift. Maybe it's an every other Sunday, or maybe you like to eat with your parents every night and or a friend. And you guys have to learn what do we really thrive on as a family because we are part of a system. We're not just independent, but I also love for you to be like, hey, you know what? You love this every Sunday, but that would actually be a great three hours for me to watch my game or for me to really have some personal time. And I don't want you to judge somebody who says, I'm really needing some alone time because you have to understand some people have a more introverted quality. And like we said, you can't just be black and white about that. Like, oh, okay, I know what you're really going to do. You're going to, you know, go into your addiction and you are going to talk to somebody else in the marriage and you're going to bring in a third party or you're going to be drinking a 24 pack of beer. I mean, we have to look and see what's really going on. But if it's just your spouse enjoying a game while you want to go chat with your parents over dinner, relax, let them enjoy. You enjoy your time and understand that when you both come back together, you'll have stories and you'll be 
really refreshed for your week. So I really think that's important for you guys to remember. And also one last ritual I want to let you guys know about that I really love together for you. And I'm giving you a freebie for this so that you can check it out at enneagramandmarriage.com or reflectioncc.com this week is I want you to understand that eating together, snacking together, and going through your goals together is a really fun way. And that food aspect around the table brings in a new dynamic of fun so that you guys can talk about what are your goals each week. And I've had couples where they celebrate with a bottle of wine or they have I bring the mails, the, the snacks this week, you bring them next time. And it doesn't matter how you do it, but it can be really nice. I wouldn't say on a date night to go through this list, but I would say maybe a once a week ritual. We've talked about others doing it every two weeks or every month, but having a time when you come around the table with food, with your spouse, even if you have to sit far away because one of you is dealing with those extra sensory issues, but that you guys just hammer it out with fun, with music. If you have that sensory issue that that could help it, but you just relax and you enjoy and you talk about your marriage and otherwise make sure if you're in a season where you need the help I want you to make sure you do take advantage of my coaching doors being open right now because I have the special and even though I can open the doors and say hey check in about working with us throughout the year right now it is a lot of a decrease it's about a $400 decrease off my normal pricing for the seven sessions so if you need that right now that's a great time to get in and then you can work on your marriage stuff a little bit deeper and a little more intentionally and a little more focused and also we love to have fun in our sessions so think about that think about grabbing the freebie so that you guys can make sure that you are on track with your couple's goals around the table and it's a fun one for you at reflection cc as well as enneagramandmarriage.com as always Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It has been such a delight to remember all the crazy stories about food in my family. And I hope it makes you think of yours too. Bye-bye.